Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. It's the Relevant Podcast. You gotta answer to yourself. You can't depend on anyone else. You gotta know where you stand, know what's in your hand. Yeah, you gotta answer to yourself. You gotta write down what you know. You gotta make sure that it's known. Because they're coming along to see what you've done. And they're gonna claim it for their own. It's the week of Friday, January 29th, 2010, and my name is Josh Loveless. I'm the senior editor with New. I'm Ryan Hamm. I'm the associate editor at Relevant. And we are manning the station. Yeah, I guess. Is yeah. That, is that the right term? We're piloting the podcast. Podcasting the pilot? Yeah. I, I don't know if that's appropriate. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> our good friend uh, Cameron String is stuck in a an ice storm, a Tulsa ice storm. Tulsa ice storm. What What do you think that looks like, Ryan? Well, I, I'm wondering, and, and keep in mind, I just moved from Chicago. Right. So I'm wondering if it's a real ice storm. It does seem a little weak. Yeah. I mean... Because the fact that apparently they're playing today, yeah. which was supposed to leave at like three or something, got yeah. canceled yesterday. Sure, um, makes me think that it's it's sort of like Florida, where if they're like, it may or may not be cold tomorrow. Yes, but, you know, prepare yourself for doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, how it happens. Yeah, it's pretty similar to that. Whereas in Chicago, it's like we're expecting about a foot of snow tomorrow. Yeah, still come to the airport. In high school, we had uh, a where school was canceled because of a hurricane that was coming the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the next day we all woke up, not a cloud in the sky, true story. <laughs> like me and all my friends, we went to the beach. That's awesome. It was great. Yeah. So I appreciate when people cancel things a day <laughs> in advance, but I hear he's bunkered in a Marriott. Really? So he's safe. He's warm for those that are, you know, curious about his safety. It's been confirmed. He's alive and well. It sounds like the makings of a disaster movie though. I know it does. Uh, we wish him well, and we hope to see him uh, sometime soon. Uh, we're recording at a different time than usual, so Jesse is not here with us as well. So yeah, so you just get us. Sorry, that's all right. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I know you're not specifically talking to me. But no, I'm not, I'm not talking to you okay. specifically. But at some point, you will have to because it's yeah, just the two of us, right? Uh, we've got some entertainment releases uh, that are going on this week. Uh, Ryan, I don't know how you feel about these, but as far as the music goes, um, Lil Wayne. Is releasing Rebirth. This, uh, it's it's going to be atrocious. I mean, so okay, I've got some thoughts about Lil Wayne. You do? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I think so. I mean, first, I need to say up front that I don't approve of his lyrics and lifestyle and all that stuff. I do think he's a little bit of a twisted genius, and I do think his genius has definitely been. Um, what's the best word? adjusted by his recreational drug usage okay um he is however like the beats that he gets made are incredible and his ability to like rap stream of consciousness like on a milli is amazing yeah um this is his rock record interesting and it will go down as one of the biggest disasters in music history you i i heard you recently reference this as a like a poor man's limp biscuit oh it's yeah and i mean limp biscuit <laughs> is like a poor man's corn which is a poor man's which is just a poor man's music yeah jeez. <laughs> oh, uh also coming out this week uh midlike is uh releasing the courage of others uh bt 
is releasing these hopeful machines, which our friend and producer Chad, Michael Snavely, uh, says uh, BT's one of the great producers of our generation, of our yeah. time. He was, I mean, he was just in here talking about it, and it was like Beethoven was releasing a new album. Yeah, he uh, put the soundtrack together for uh, the movie Monster, and uh, oddly enough, helped produce uh, the, the uh, NSYNC uh, Dirty Pop. Hmm. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, speaking of NSYNC and Dirty Pop, Rob Zombie has an album coming out uh, <laughs> called Hellbilly Deluxe 2. Thought you should know about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, the only thing I really know about the Rob Zombie is that he's a director. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's... he's well, I mean, I know he was in White Zombie, too. But. Yeah, he had something to do with the zombie band. Uh, the movie releases uh, for the week of Friday, February 5th. Uh, the movie From Paris with Love. Starring John Travolta and Jonathan Reese Myers. You know, I feel like you could mention any movie yeah. and it would sound awesome. And then you're like, starring John Travolta. And then you're like, oh. <laughs> well, you, I, I appreciate all the people that think it's a romantic comedy that haven't seen the trailer and are going to show up to it and be. Uh, it's like a thriller, right? Yeah, action. Uh, they're spending a lot of money on marketing. Is this the one days. where John Travolta is he is he a bald villain again? Yeah, I think he's got a goatee. Okay, yeah, it's like Taking of Pelham One Two Three, which yeah. is terrible. Don't see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't give away the indie. Yeah, uh, and then uh, the movie Dear John, starring Channing Tatum. It's by the writer of the Notebook. Yeah, how do you feel about the Notebook, Ryan? I don't know. I guess people are into it. A few are. Yeah, a few are. Uh, this week, uh, beyond our entertainment releases, we've got some news stories. We've got some slices, people. There's some things that have been going on in the world, uh, for those of you who've been paying attention. Uh, one of the slices to, I don't know, ponder and consider. An, an Oakland Athletics prospect this last week retired from baseball. Uh, usually people who do that uh, are not very good at what they do and can't make any money. But this guy, Grant Desme, uh, hit 31 homers in Class A for the Oakland Athletics Minor League Baseball Program and uh, and became the MVP for uh, for the organization at that level and decided, you know, this last week that he was going to go into the priesthood. Interesting. Of all things. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I guess there's some decent people thinking about religion over money. And over consumerism this, these days. It's true. Interesting decision. Although, to point out, I mean, just to put it the devil's advocate, you remember when Mace was going to become a pastor? Uh, I remember when Mace released a positive album yeah. of hip-hop lyrics that bombed. <laughs> well, so he did that whole thing, and then there was like, I'm going to become a pastor, and then like six months later, he was back to murder Mace, and he somehow joined G-Unit. So, Gun it. Yeah. Gun it. What do you got today for us? Well, I've got some sad news. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, yours is positive and uplifting, but yeah. um, mine's mine's pretty devastating. Bring it. Um, don't know if you guys are aware of this, but uh, one of the biggest selling bands of all time just broke up. Wait. what? I haven't heard about this. Yeah. Um, they hold the record for most singles ever sold in Germany, and they've just disbanded. And I am, of course, talking about the world-famous Scorpions. <laughs> the world-famous Scorpions? World-famous Scorpions. I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with this, this band that you speak of. Their song, Wind of Change, single-handedly brought down the Iron Curtain in Europe. 
Wow. Well, the, them and David Hasselhoff. Yeah, I was going to say, he was pretty big there. Yeah. So, Scorpions, can you can you give us a little treat of what that song sounded like? Yeah, I, I think we can. Chad, Chad can. Chad can whip something up with Wind of Change. It's hard to say, it's hard to overstate how much emotion comes through his broken English. Yeah. So, because they are actually German, and but, but they sing in English about communism. Okay. Yeah. That seems pretty obvious. Yeah. I but I coming. mean, they, more, more famously, they also sang Rocky Like a Hurricane. Wow. Yeah. Uh, also this week, uh, there's been a few, uh, a few different people, uh, talking about, uh, Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien. I don't know if you heard about that situation. No, Ryan. I haven't heard anything. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel like we're just breaking this news yeah. once again. It's exciting. Yeah. Actually Conan wrapped up his show, uh, last week. And, and I think one of the, uh, one of the interesting things that, uh, I, I know some people around here have been talking quite a bit about is, you know, he had a chance when he was making his speech during his show to really, throw NBC under the bus to say some things about Leno. And instead, um, he made two significant points. He he communicated that he was really grateful to NBC mm-hmm. for what, uh, what they had done in terms of helping him launch his career and letting him do some of the things that he wanted to do. And, uh, and then he ended by really asking young people to not be cynical. And I, I was watching it and I was really impressed because I felt like of, of anyone, you know, that's out there right now in a public, you know, position that has a platform to say something and really throw their boss, their company, the organization under the bus, he, uh, he took the high road. Right. And, uh, and that's rarely done specifically by late night comedians. Right. So, uh, and then for someone to speak, you know, that I feel like has the respect like he does to young people about cynicism. I felt like was pretty unique and uh, and pretty refreshing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you feel about cynicism, but I think it's so 2009. In my better moments, I would like to think that I think that, but I might be too cynical about okay. it. Okay, <laughs> so so maybe in your bitter moments. Yeah, in in my yeah in my better moments. Okay, I think it's 2009. Yeah. Uh, Apple released uh, a new feminine product this week called the iPad. Oh, that's good. Yeah got to be exciting for it, every yeah everyone. yeah i think there's some people that are are happy about it um how do you feel about apple when they release and steve jobs stands in his comedian outfit his running shoes and jeans and uh mock turtleneck uh and releases new technology do you get excited do you watch it i definitely tuned in to a pirated live stream of the audio okay and then refreshed on a couple gadgets websites okay i was just curious to see what it was what it was going to be yeah how do you feel about it um i have mixed feelings i think i think it's really cool um and i think that it's priced well and everything um, but I do think that they took some of the weaknesses of the iPhone and yeah. it's going to be magnified in a bigger device. Like to not be able to listen to music really while you do stuff yeah. is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And to not be able to have like IM and internet open at the same time is dumb. So you'll have to use your iPhone, your iPod and your iPad right. to talk on the phone, listen to music and read a book. Right. Well, cause time. when I first, like when I was first looking at it i was like huh i need to replace my laptop at some point in the next year or so like maybe i can just get this yeah but 
I mean that and like the lack of flash. Yeah, you're gonna be you. big. Uh, up next, uh, we've got an interview that Roxanne Weeman has done with World Vision's guru Steve Haas. Here at Relevant, our thoughts and prayers continue to go out to those affected by the devastating earthquakes in Haiti. To immediately help, Relevant is currently giving half of every dollar from new subscriptions to World Vision's emergency relief efforts. By subscribing to Relevant, you can stay connected to what God is doing in our generation. And by subscribing right now, you can tangibly help those in need. Go over to relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Thanks. And you're listening to the Shout Out Louds with their song Fall Hard. It's from the upcoming album called Work, which is set to release in February. You can check uh, check out more about them at shoutoutlouds.com. All right. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard the soft pack with their song Answer to Yourself, uh, which is from an upcoming album set to release on February 2nd. So you can get that in stores on Tuesday. Uh, you might remember the band if you're familiar with the underground San Diego punk scene, which I'm sure tons of you are. They used to be known as the Muslims. Oh, now. now that <laughs> just triggered something. Now I know who you're talking Josh, about. Josh only listens to music uh, that features bands with names of religions. Yes. it's uh, it's. I was raised that way as a, as a young child. Yeah. So he's a big fan that. of the Christians and the Jews. Yeah. And he's got all the bootleg albums of the Buddhists. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, last week, we got the opportunity to talk to Steve Haas, uh, who's uh, vice president at World Vision. Um, we recently went into a partnership with World Vision to, well, we were sitting around and we were trying to figure out, like, how can we tangibly help people in Haiti? I mean, we see all this stuff on the news. It's just devastating over and over again. And, you know, we were talking and we're like, how can we, how can we make a difference? And, you know, obviously we're in Orlando. We don't have, like, I mean, we have resources, but not like, you know, tons and tons of resources, but we thought we, we have a magazine that people seem to like and we get subscribers and maybe we can partner with someone to give some of our subscription money to an organization that's actually on the ground working. Yeah. Um, so we talked with people like Steve at World Vision and we've got this, I mean, what we think is pretty cool where... Right now, if you subscribe to Relevant for $15, we're actually giving half of the money straight to World Vision, and it goes to people working on the ground in Haiti, um, delivering aid and helping people. World Vision's been there for, I think, like close to 50 years, um, really active in the last 30. And what I like about what we're trying to do is is we're, we're taking the resources that we have, which is this magazine, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and we're using that as a platform, not only with written word, but with, even with our subscriptions to say, we'll do everything that we can to, to try to make a difference with what we've been given. Right. And I mean, it's definitely not like, I mean, we're not saying, we're not saying this is the only way to give by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I mean, like, please go donate to World Vision, donate to World Relief, Samaritan's Purse, Convoy of Hope, all these great organizations. But we feel like this is a way that we could tangibly help, and this is the best way we know how. So 
Um, anyway, so Roxy talked to him last week to just kind of get an idea of what World Vision is doing and kind of get some on-the-ground reporting from Haiti just to kind of see what's going on, actually. Um, and she got a chance to talk to him again this week just to kind of get a follow-up, um, find out more st- stuff that's happening, find out what World Vision is doing, um, and really just to kind of get a feel of as the news stops reporting a little bit more every day, uh, just to kind of keep that in our, in our mind's eye, I guess, as we go. So uh, here's Roxanne Weeman, our editorial director, talking to Steve Haas, a vice president at World Vision. What's going on in Haiti now? Like what, what has um, kind of transpired since we last talked that, uh, that our listeners should know about? Well, we're actually beginning to see some, uh, at least in and around some of the areas in which we're doing distributions, um, our folks on the ground are telling us that things are, you're beginning to see a little bit of stability in light of the fact that people know, uh, at least in some of the regions in which they are currently settled, uh, where food is going to, uh, where they're, you know, they've now been in a similar shelter now uh, for a little bit of time. But at the same time, um, we're also getting uh, a number of reports as many of these people who are are not finding where they're settled to be appropriate, um, hearing that there might be something better outside of Port-au-Prince, that there's a, a fairly large exodus of folks into the rural sector as well. And obviously then, uh, one needs to make sure that they get the, the food and medicine and all those kinds of things that are still needed for a large part of the population uh, to the right places. I uh, got a phone call yesterday, actually, from a church leader who was calling and just saying, you know, we're, we're really struggling here, and began to talk about just lack of resources. So um, the entire community, you know, all 500 um, agencies that are on the ground plus are attempting to do the best job they can with available resources as they have it, and of course the generosity of, of people around the world, especially Americans in this case, who have stepped up and made this a part of their giving has been incredibly helpful. And probably and you know most definitely will need to go on for some time how how about a story from the ground something that you've kind of heard that i don't know that that captures what's going on there or that that really has inspired or moved you well, I, I was looking, uh, this weekend I had a chance to communicate with some uh, a church down in, in uh, the Bay Area of, uh, near San Francisco, and one of the pictures that one of my colleagues put up was of a young woman named Rosa. Uh, here's a, a beautiful Haitian woman. Uh, she has a small baby. Uh, she's hanging onto the hand of her child. Now this, uh, almost in any other context, if you just took the three of them, could have been anywhere, Port-au-Prince, prior to the quake. Um, it looked like a family maybe going shopping. And then you recognize the fact that this is a, a woman who, as the story is told, has lost her husband. He never came home. Uh, ostensibly still at work when the quake happened and the building in which she was in collapsed entirely. Uh, this is a daughter uh, standing next to her who, who won't let go of her hand, according to my colleague. Uh, in light of the fact that she's absolutely frightened anytime there's really any disturbance in the air or mm. things begin to shift or take place. She, she doesn't want to be separated from her mother because she was separated for a time on her way home from school. Mm-hmm. Here's a woman who has no home. Here's a woman who is really trying to calculate, now how do I not just feed myself but feed my kids? 
And as I was listening to this one story, I began to multiply it to the tens, no, to the hundreds of thousands of people who are in a similar strait. And I think when we talk about uh, disasters, I think it's, it's so easy for us to have this mentality that as long as the media is playing, um, and I've got that story, then that must still be real. But as soon as the media turns off, which it will eventually, I mean, at some point, Anderson Cooper goes home. At some point, CNN starts turning off their lights. NBC sees this maybe not as the key story, but maybe a page 8, page 10, page 15. Mm -hmm. These people are still going to be dealing with this kind of emotional trauma of what they have gone through, as well as the number of family members that they have lost. On staff, you know, we have uh, 800 people on the ground. Many of those are on the front line dispensing relief, and many of those have family members that they lost. Yeah. Uh, many of those are dealing with their own personal uh, yeah, emotional issues as they're dispensing aid. Well, at some point, as we all know, there's a break. There's a breakdown. There's a sense of needing to grieve, um, and, and in some ways, maybe they're working that that out to some, you know, in some extent right now. But these are people that need to be on our hearts and minds. We need to be prayerful. Um, and that's why, in fact, as we begin to develop plans, we're looking at short, medium, and long-term plans with, with responses that go to some 25,000 families just in Port-au-Prince. So uh, this is a long, long-term issue for us. Where do we go from here? How do we keep this on our hearts and in our minds and part of our giving? And, you know, as, as the media moves away, as, you know, as the disaster seems less urgent, um, how do we keep it? How do we keep it on our minds? Well, one thing I think that is, is terrific is, you know, your own magazine, Relevant, has, has made this kind of, uh, you know, a, a cause celebrate within your own publishing. And so I'm sure there is going to be, you know, uh, continued podcasts or articles on this one you can get you can certainly jump on our twitter feed mm -hmm. uh, a general twitter feed which is twitter.com backslash world vision um, there you'll also get um, feeds from different uh, personnel that are on the ground as they are seeing different things and trying to relate those um, i would make you know one of the things i would do is be on you know put on my regular updates hitting a website and again uh I can certainly speak to our own worldvision.org, worldvision.org backslash Haiti. We're going to keep people updated as to the continued progress in country, as well as stories that are coming out to kind of, again, personalize this disaster. I think when you have something that's overwhelming, I often relate it to body surfing. I'm sure some of your readers have done that before when you see a big wave coming and you know that you're going to be obliterated by it often you just duck. You can actually dive into the wave and the wave goes over you. There's this sensation of having just let it pass as it just goes over you. Um, we don't want to do that with this particular disaster. We want to be able to ride the information in such a way that we can actually do something appropriate at the appropriate time. And so one of the things I think that's so key is to right now make it a, if you don't want to kind of let this one go soft, if you want to make sure that this is an issue that's in front of you, then make a commitment right now that you're going to go to these places where this information is being held and make it a regular uh, practice, whether it's fasting. I know that there are prayer gatherings on campuses all over the country. In fact, I was told some 1,700 prayer gatherings were going on over this last week. We'll go into this next week. 
students coming together and just saying, hey, this is really important to me, and I need to make this a center focus of what I'm about. Well, God will honor that commitment um, as we continue to lay this before him. And as, I, as I've often shared, um, this is the thing that we're often being told by those who are on the ground. Will you pray for me? In essence, will you remember me before the Father? The needs are great, and we know we have a, a, a Lord who takes care of us. Um, remember me before the Father, and I think we can certainly do that, even if we're not giving finances or resources or, or those kinds of things. We can spiritually certainly be in these people's corner. Okay. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Great being with you, and appreciate everything you folks are doing to make sure that this issue doesn't go away. You're listening to OK Go with their song, This Too Shall Pass. The video is playing right now on Relevant.tv from their brand new album of the blue color of the sky. You can check out more about the band at OKGo.net. Was OKGo.com taken, do you think? It must have been. Man, oh man. Or they just got on the internet in like 1994 <laughs> and they're know. like, .net will do well. Yeah, I think that's going to be huge. <laughs> Oh, man. They were actually in the news a lot, too, because their lead singer posted a really angry blog post against Warner Brothers huh. because Warner Brothers won't let them post music videos or it like won't let bloggers embed music videos from them, which is ironic because OK Go basically has their career thanks to that treadmill video. Yeah. So. And thanks to Warner Brothers. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Talk about cynicism. <laughs> they need to listen to a little Conan. Seriously. Conan has a lot to say to OK Go. You heard that here first. <laughs> on the relevant <laughs> podcast next we have a really exciting interview um with a band called surfer blood uh they're a new band actually out of florida uh, not brooklyn which is pretty rare these days i think um there are they've already sort of been crowned uh the next big thing of 2010 by several publications like spin and rolling stone and pitchfork and vanity fair and relevant and relevant um their debut album astro coast was released on january 19th and was recorded in the band's dorm room during their freshman year at florida atlantic university using musical equipment purchased with scholarship money so I wonder how mommy felt about that. <laughs> I was wondering that too. It's like, do I buy a biology textbook or an amp? Yeah. Amp all the way. Oh, well, especially when, and I'm not bitter, especially when they change the edition of the biology textbook after you spend $130 on it and then you only get 20 wow, when you that, sell it back. That sounds personal. It's a very specific irritation. Did that happen to you, Ryan, at all? I can't tell in the tone of your voice. Uh, it did. Okay. Yeah. And I was a history major, so I had this <laughs> biology textbook saddled with me. So their uh, their debut album came out on January 19th, and they were recently in town, and uh, our editorial assistant, Elise, uh, got the chance to go talk to them. And seriously, if you haven't heard Astro Coast yet, you definitely want to check it out. If you're a fan of um, anyone from, I mean, really, anyone from the Beach Boys to the Shins, it's got kind of that power pop, like Weezer sound. It's, yeah, it's just really, really fun music, and you'll definitely want to check it out. So here is Elise talking to Surfer Blood. 
Um, all right. So first of all, I'm gonna have you guys go around, say your names. We've got Brian, TJ, JP, Thomas. So I want to talk to you guys first of all about how you're pretty much everyone's calling you the next big thing, relevant included. And I was just wondering how you guys feel about that. It's kind of a lot of pressure, but what do you think of all the buzz about Astro Coast? I don't know. It's it's awesome. Um, I don't know. I mean, the next big thing, like people say that a lot, um, but. You know, it's really nice that people are like really, you know, liking the record and are really into it, and that you know, so many people have told me that um, that they've been listening to it a lot since it came out. And like a guy told me tonight that he can't take it out of a CD player. So, I mean, if, yeah, it feels awesome for us. It's like I guess there is like a lot of pressure because like people's expectations really like go up to the next level. But I mean, like you can really only just kind of like keep moving forward and keep playing shows. You know, keep writing music and don't let any of that get inside your head. goals for Surfer Blood in the next year or so. What's next? We want to play a lot of festivals and just, you know, promote the record really as much as we can. Uh, go to Australia. Um, we want to release another EP probably later this year. Yeah, just keep making records hopefully that's what we want to do. And you're, a lot of people described your sound as kind of a bit of a throwback. Even some people have said the Beach Boys and I was just wondering what your influences would be who inspires your music. Um, the Pixies. Oh, the Beach Boys are cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Built to spill. A lot of people say we're 90s because we don't have drum machines, so. Yeah. yeah. We had one guy saying, like, when he gets a nostalgic feeling when he listens to us, he was an older guy. And he's like, you know, you remind me of all the all my favorite bands from the 90s. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you guys got together? I know some of you met in college or... I'm not sure the specifics, but just kind of how Surfer Blood came to be. Well, TJ and me met each other living in Orlando. Um, he moved in with my really good friend um, into a house, and we, you know, we started playing music together and really started working. And then these guys have known each other forever. Um, you know, Brian and Tom. So like, you know, they've been playing in bands for you know forever. Um, and one day, our two bands crossed paths in Miami, and we went to this after party for Ultra Music Fest down there. And we all started talking, and you know, and just kind of like we kind of got the feeling that we were all on the same page. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I guess uh, all of us were kind of having issues with our other bands, and no one really wanted. To, well, they wanted to tour, but they couldn't. Or I mean, because West Palm's kind of a weird place. Everyone who wants to do something leaves, like as soon as they get out of high school, and we didn't. So we are kind of like, uh, what do we do now? <laughs> but um, we got really lucky. We met these guys. So Swim is the single that everyone's talking about, but what is your favorite to perform live? I think my favorite to play is Still Floating Vibes, and it's probably because we always open with it. Um, so, like, I associate that, like, opening riff with just, like, a feeling of, like, you know, like that adrenaline you get when you, like, start playing the first few notes of your set. Right. You know? um, yeah, and I just think it's a really good opener. We opened with, it's the first song on the album, too, so, you yeah, know, brings joy to my heart.
Anchorage is my favorite song because it's the longest and live we do this sort of intense outro. We usually play it last during our set and yeah, it's one of my favorites on record too. I would go with a hard-hitting song, and that would be um, Take It Easy, because of all the rhythmic complications going on. Okay, and lastly, since everyone's kind of looking at you guys now, you're kind of becoming, you know, the new thing with indie music. There's a lot of credibility there, but what's something on your iPod that you'd be embarrassed for everyone to see? Well, Madonna's great, but I really, I don't think that's like a bad thing. Like, I wouldn't even be embarrassed to say yeah, that. Yeah, no like, shame there. I mean, <laughs> MXPX. All right. <laughs> I still listen to Clap Your Hands a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. Like, no, yeah, we still, like, we have really... Like, we still love that Vampire Weekend record, too. Like, there's so many records that people, we tell them we still listen to it. They're just, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny because it. people compare it, compare, like, us to Vampire Weekend all the time. And we're just kind of like, no, that's not true. But we really, really like their music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? The same thing with Weezer. Everyone's like, you guys sound a lot like Weezer. And we're always like, huh. you know, like, oh, wow. Like, I don't really see that. Like, I don't think that's true. That's definitely not an influence. But that doesn't mean that we don't love the Blue Album and Pinkerton. I think they're great records. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys like that one song... Oh, Third Eye Blind, Semi-Charmed Life. Great song. Okay, well, those are pretty much all my questions. Yeah, good luck tonight. Thanks for taking time with me. Yeah, listening to the drums not necessarily the instrument it's actually a band that you need to check out uh the song is called let's go surfing from their album summertime which i think is ironic to play during the winter uh especially if you're bunkered in a hotel room in tulsa ice storm on an ice storm uh but uh appropriate maybe this will warm you up you can check out their website at wearethedrums.com or myspace.com slash thedrumsforever. Uh, recently, uh, I had a chance to, uh, to sit down with uh, a guy named Eugene Cho, who is uh, a pastor as well as a, um, a president and leader of an organization that he's recently started called One Day's Wages. And uh, not only have we had a chance to talk to uh, great people like Steve Haas and others uh, from, you know, from other organizations, but we, we really felt like we wanted to talk to some people who are, are running smaller organizations who 
are trying to figure out what they should do with uh, the devastation in Haiti and as well are trying to figure out how they can make a difference even as a baby nonprofit that's just coming out of the gate. Uh, One Day's Wages is uh, a nonprofit organization that's uh, been started just in the last several months. And, uh, And even in that short, brief period of time, they've become a really great filter for uh, searching out quality organizations to partner with. And uh, what people do is they make a specific decision to give up one day's wages, uh, specifically on their birthday, is one of the things that Eugene encourages people to consider to do, uh, and uh, donate to their organization so that their organization can filter it to quality organizations that they've checked out and done their research on. Hmm. During the interview uh, that I had with Eugene, uh, we, uh, we had a full conversation about a bunch of different things, but uh, what you'll what you'll listen to in the next few minutes is just our conversation specifically about Haiti. But if you want to hear more uh, about our conversation and the great things that we had a, a chance to talk about, you can go to uh, the specific podcast page and listen to the full interview. Uh, you can check out their website at www.onedayswages.org. You can also check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash one day's wages. And they are tweeting. So you can go to twitter.com slash one day's wages. And this is the conversation that I had with Eugene Cho. Eugene, do you think it's actually possible to end this kind of extreme global poverty in our lifetime? I know there's a lot of different takes on it, but what's, what's your take? Yeah, well, that's a great question, and I think it's a question that we need to ask and challenge one another regularly. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that poverty on some form or another is always going to exist. Uh, I think extreme poverty is such a um, a powerful, uh, uh, heinous, disgusting thing. The fact that, you know, as you shared earlier, the statistics in the World Bank, you know, 1.4 billion people living under $1.25. And obviously there are some other statistics that are pretty frightening. You know, 25,000 children a day uh, that die mostly due to preventable diseases. You know, I guess to answer your question very simply, I would say yes. I do believe that it's possible. And part of it is that I choose to defer to many of the so-called experts and mentors who are in this sort of work. Uh, that believe that in our lifetime, that in the next 40, 50 years, that this can come to an end. But obviously the, the answer is also very complex. So many things have to come together of sorts. Um, but certainly if we can send people to the moon, I, I think we can uh, really bring this to, to an end. Um, I think what's really painful in many ways is what's currently going on in Haiti. And it's possible that, you know, you may ask a question or two about that, but I'll just say this about Haiti, is that what's going on with the earthquake, absolutely devastating and painful. Uh, But here is something that is very sobering for all of us. There are Hades all around the world right now. Um, It's all around the world, and people kind of need to um, not turn uh, their their attention away from that. What what kind of difference in a time like this, as, as you're bringing up Haiti, uh, what kind of difference in a time like this does a situation with disaster relief uh, do for an organization like yours? As you're saying, you know, we, we can't lose the emphasis on the other places and issues that are still going on around the world. Um, what level of emphasis does your organization have right now in a situation that requires immediate assistance? 
Uh, well, you know, we're, we're diverting much of our attention to Haiti, as I think many should, you know. Uh, obviously, for us, it's somewhat consistent, meaning that while we're not engaged in disaster relief, and, you know, uh, I'll try to explain, you know, we're not necessarily experts in extreme global poverty. I think we have a particular strategy uh, that we want to implement for that. But, I mean, with Haiti, um, we had some um, uh, donors ask, you know, why are you involved in Haiti when you should be focused on extreme global poverty? Stay true to the focus. But, again, I think the reason why we're focused in Haiti so much currently uh, is just because of the, you know, the devastating earthquake, the crisis of sorts. And then when you realize that Haiti really, uh, being one of the poorest countries, if not number one or two, uh, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, it really was, for a lack of a better phrase, was a poster child for extreme poverty. You know, 50% of the people living under a dollar twenty-five, or better said, surviving under a dollar a day. Um, so that, that's that's the reason why we've been focused in Haiti right now. Yeah, that's great, Eugene. Talking about the issues related to justice and poverty has become the trendy conversation at dinner parties over the last five to seven years. And I know some people that talk about it so much that they actually feel as though they've done something. How do you get people to move beyond the conversation of justice to actually doing something about justice? Uh, You know, I've said this on a couple of occasions uh, publicly, and it's gotten me into some trouble, but I still stand by it, and, and this is the statement. I'm 39 years old. I'm going to generously and liberally place myself in this current generation, and I group myself with folks that are younger than I am. But you know, my hypothesis is that we live in the most overrated generation of our history, um, and the reason why I say that. And the reason why I try to explain that to people is because we have access to so much stuff. And by stuff, I'm not just talking about resources, but I'm talking about the medium in which we communicate some of our thoughts and ideas, particularly social media, uh, blogging, email, Twitter, Facebook. And I think while talking about it over those mediums, over, over at dinner parties, I think it's part of the process of doing good work, growing in compassion, uh, trying to pursue justice. My fear is that we stop right there and then we pat ourselves on the back as people who have great sort of social soul conscious, if you will. So I think in terms of you know, moving from that place to an area of justice, is I think we really have to realize that um, our resources, our time, our talent, our treasures need to be inclined towards making changes in our larger system and in ourself as well. Um, I think those three things are very, very principal uh, in, in, again, being a talker and then trying to move towards someone who is instilled in action. Without you, I'm lost along the way.
You're listening to Camera Can't Lie, and the song is Days and Days. Uh, this video is also playing at relevant.tv, and this is from their EP from last year called Days and Days. Uh, their debut full length album is expected this next year here in 2010, and you can see them and hear them on myspace.com slash camera can't lie. No apostrophe, though. No apostrophe. No apostrophe. Don't, uh, don't, don't type the apostrophe in. No. Uh, this is the, uh, the moment many people have been waiting for mm-hmm. in which we, uh, we dig into the feedback. Right. We hear from the people. I would even say they've been waiting with bated breath. Yes. What does someone look like that's waiting that way, do you think? I always picture it's someone holding their breath until they turn blue. I always picture it someone holding baby's breath hmm. in their hand. A <laughs> uh, couple weeks ago, we asked the question. That seems like a crime. Holding baby's breath? Yeah. The, the, you make your the baby plant? breathe into your... Oh, the plant. Yes. I thought you meant a literal baby's breath. No, that would be illegal, I think. I was going to say. I, I think, think they arrest you for that. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> uh, I'm a florist. You didn't know that? I did not. Yeah. I had no idea you were so into horticulture. I read a magazine recently that said that baby's breath is out in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized it was in. I, I didn't know there were there were actual flowers and things that you put with flowers that were in and out. It's so. like the white. It's the little white flowers, right? Uh, no, it's the, they're soft and they, they are a compliment to roses and, uh, they're not white. I don't, I don't remember the color of oh. them. I want to say they're green. Maybe they are. I don't know. Chad, yeah. do you know? Yep. They're white. <laughs> it's just been cleared up. Uh, baby's breath is white for those of you who are going shopping later this afternoon. So, uh, yeah, avoid at all costs though out in 2010. Yeah. So you want to skip that even if it's on sale. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we asked the question, what's the most zen-like job a person could have? Uh, Ryan, you'd be surprised to know many people wrote in and said your job. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to respond to that. Okay. All right. Well, a lot of people uh, think that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty good catch. So It's, it's a good job. It yeah. is not... It has, let's just say any job you get in publishing is yeah. not going to be Zen. Okay. Because it, you are going to be busy. Deadlines. Deadlines. Emphasis on the word dead. Yeah. Deadlines come and deadlines are firm yeah. and you will be tired. Yeah. It does happen. How late were you here last night? Uh, about 11.15. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Yeah. The next day. You guys enjoy that magazine. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. So what we've done is we've invited your feedback and, uh, and people have, uh, have commented in as well. We've got our phone line where, uh, where some people have called in as well. So let's take a listen to, uh, to someone's response to what the most Zen like job a person could have. Hey, this is Jason from Shelbyville, Indiana. Just listening to the podcast about the least stressful job. I think one is probably that guy who gets to wave the checkered flag at the end of all the NASCAR races. You know, as long as you don't drop the flag on somebody or wave it on the wrong lap, you're pretty covered. You work a couple weekends a year and you're done. So that's pretty straight up. Those are my thoughts. Thanks. See ya. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, I would never have thought about the flag waving guy. No. That's is that is that an actual position? I, I, I'm not quite sure. I'm still confused. I thought they waved at those NASCAR events, the Confederate flag. 
I didn't realize it was a checkered flag. Yeah, it is a checkered flag. I need to pay closer attention. Well, and the other thing is, I don't, I mean, well, I don't really watch NASCAR, but I see enough clips like on SportsCenter and stuff to know sort of the general idea of how it works. Yeah, yeah. And I think, doesn't the flag waiver, flag waiver have to wave like eight different kinds of flags depending on conditions on the track? I think you might be right about that. Because they wave like a red flag if they need to stop, a yep. yellow flag if they have to go slowly. Yep. And if you wave the wrong flag at the wrong time, I mean, there's like 100,000 people there. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Sitting on top of their RV in a lawn chair with a Coors Light that right. are very angry and upset. Yeah. And susceptible to injury slash death. That's correct. Because if you wave, uh, you know, if there's a huge accident and you accidentally wave the green flag, yeah. someone's going to get hurt. Correct. Or if like lap five, you wave the checkered Confederate flag yeah, and, and everyone quit. And everyone's really confused. Yeah. 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 It's a stressful job. I yeah. think, I don't know if everyone's thought it through, but I appreciate the phone call. Appreciate the feedback. Uh, we want to invite your feedback on a regular basis. We've got an editorial question of the week here, Ryan. Editorial question of the week. The uh, Super Bowl is coming up. It is. It's uh, as is the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl. Uh, for those of you that will listen to this as soon as it gets uploaded, yeah, which is all of you, yeah, which is everyone. Uh, the Pro Bowl is uh, is a little interesting this year. It's not being held in Hawaii. Uh, which it usually is, yeah. and uh, and because it's being held the week before the Super Bowl, six players from the Saints and six players from the Colts are not going to be able to play in the Pro Bowl. Hmm. Uh, I wonder if they'll stand on the sidelines. Doubtful. Probably would, not. Would you? No. Yeah, neither would I. But Although, how mad would you be if this was your first Pro Bowl? Yeah. Like, you're like a rookie or a second-year player, and you're like, yeah. sweet, I made the Pro Bowl, yeah. and it's not in Hawaii. Well, I would be upset, but if I had a chance to win the Super Bowl... I think I'd be okay. No, I mean, but I'm not saying if you were... I mean, obviously, it wouldn't matter if you were on the Colts or the Saints, but if you're like, say, it'd be the worst if you were on the Dolphins. Wait, in this scenario, am I a professional football yeah, player? you're a professional football player Wait, playing for the Dolphins. Okay, I don't care what happens <laughs> with the rest of my life. I'm happy because I'm a professional athlete. So it's true. It's been a dream of well, mine. Well, I'm just saying, though, imagine you're on the Dolphins uh -huh. and you're a second-year player, Yeah. and they're like, hey, you're going to the Pro Bowl, and you're like, awesome. Yeah. And then they're like, but it's not in Hawaii this year. And you're like, oh, well, where is it? Miami. Oh. Oh, right. Okay. Well, if you're a professional athlete, typically you've got the cash to fly to Hawaii for fun. That's true. For the weekend. But you don't have all the festivities. Well, that's true. Like the, isn't there like a punt pass and isn't there, there are all those challenges. Punt and pass and kick. I think that's for six-year-olds. <laughs> I think, so I think if you're actually a Miami Dolphin athlete at that point, you don't compete in the punt pass and kick. Yeah. Although I'm going to say, uh, judging on the field goal percentage uh this playoff season yeah. there might be some people who need to practice their absolutely kicking. nice reference absolutely field goal kickers suck during the playoffs yeah well uh this week we want to know uh your picks for who is going to win the super bowl uh and why i want to know uh i want to know what your reasons are now most people when they think of relevant magazine they think of god life and progressive culture mm. they don't think of sports no but the Super Bowl is one of the most widely watched events uh, in our country. Yeah. So it's uh, it's slightly a big deal. And maybe this week, since it is one of the biggest events, if you hate sports, tell us what commercial you're most excited about. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. 
We'll do we'll do double. We'll do a double question. Yeah, I you hear could either give us a pick or give us a pick for best commercial. I hear Tim Tebow's made a commercial with his mommy. He did. Yeah. So it's... we'll uh, we'll have to maybe cover that a little bit more <laughs> next week. It's getting a lot of heat. Yeah, so you can comment uh, at our website and uh, you can also phone it in at 407-660-1411 and that's extension 126. And if you're looking for a toll-free number, I'm sorry. If you're at a payphone, <laughs> uh, you're on your own. You're going to have to put in a lot of quarters for that one. And you're probably in one of three places in America that still has a payphone. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Especially one that's enclosed. Yeah, exactly. I was going to encourage people to do one thing. I mean, don't just tell us why you know a team's going to win based on statistical averages. We want to know. We want to know the reasons underground that maybe not pe- many people are talking about. Underground reporting. Yeah, like one of my favorite sports writers last year on ESPN said that he thought the Cardinals were going to win the Super Bowl because Kurt Warner is a Christian, so he had Jesus on his side, and he also had promised his kids a puppy if he, they got to the Super Bowl. So Kurt Warner or so Bill Simmons is like, of course they're going to make the Super Bowl because he's got Jesus and puppies on his side. Yeah, that makes sense. But then he went back on his promise to buy his kids a puppy. Oof. So immediately Cardinals lost the Super Bowl. Well, thanks for tuning into the relevant podcast today. Uh, we have, uh, I think we've we've handled this well, Ryan. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I'll be I'll be glad when Cameron's back. Yes, I think it's uh, it's always easier when we get to allow him to uh, to take charge and yes. we don't have to prepare or do anything. And he, <laughs> he has to do all the work. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, thanks again for listening. I uh, hope this has been informative, helpful, and inspirational. Hmm. My name is Josh. I'm Ryan. And on our way out, we're going to leave you in light of the devastating news out of Germany. We're going to leave you with a little treat. So here you go. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. And I mean, Limp Bizkit <laughs> is like a poor man's corn. Which is a poor man's... Which is just a poor man's music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs>